had the pleasure of meeting you. Uh, my name is Austin. My wife, Kelsey, and I are the worship leaders here at Hope Crossings. Uh, we are so glad that you're here with us. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. While you're turning there, I want to address an elephant in the room. You have never seen someone preach on this stage with a hat on their head. <laughs> I want to tell you why. I meant to cut my hair last night. I didn't. Now you can see my balding spot. <laughs> so I wanted to cover it up, uh, knowing that I'm going to be on video, knowing that I'm going to be talking to some of you afterwards. Uh, this is my way of feeling a little bit more secure about myself. Uh, sorry, Pastor Chris, I'm sure you're watching. Uh, I won't do it again. Uh, are you with me in Luke chapter 4? Luke chapter 4. We're starting in verse 1. Let's read it. Uh, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he endured temptations from the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were completed, he was famished. How many of you know that when you exit a season of intent pursuit of God, and that involves fasting, and that involves dedicated time of prayer, there's usually at the end of that, this this. This feeling, this sense of I'm empty. Have you ever been there? That feeling of empty, let me tell you, God likes it when you feel empty. God likes it when you're empty. He likes it when our flesh is pushed way, way, way down. And we make room for him and the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus is being an example to us here. It's okay to be famished. In fact, sometimes it's good. Verse 3, the, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, man does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him a, in a flash all the kingdoms of the world. And, and the devil said to him, To you I will grant this whole realm and the glory that goes with it, for it has been relinquished to me, and I can give it to anyone I wish. So then, if you will worship me, all of this will be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, you are to worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil brought him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to protect you. And with their hands, they will lift you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So Jesus answered him, It is said, You are not to put the Lord your God to the test. So when the devil had completed every temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. I want to give you some context for this scripture. If you back up to Luke chapter 3, you see at the tail end there that Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. And it's significant because that baptism signifies the start of Jesus' ministry on this earth. Here's what I want you to take away from that this morning. The context is when there is an anointing on your life, when there is a call on your life, when you are told by God to move from here to there, to do this and stop that, when you are operating through the Holy Spirit working in your life, 
you're going to be tempted more than you've probably ever been tempted in your life. When you're ready to take a step of faith, the devil doesn't want you to see the ground you're going to. It's you to quiver and to waver and to question. But Jesus sets an example here for us to overcome temptation, to resist the devil, and to lean into the word of God. That's what we're talking about this morning, overcoming, overcoming temptation. The Bible calls you, if you are a child of God, an overcomer. I wonder how much easier the devil must think it is to tempt us and get us if he went through all of that to tempt Jesus, the actual son of man, son of God, Lord God Almighty. He knew who he was. Do not be fooled. The devil knew that before he was born, before he was sent to this earth, that he actually sat in heaven at the right hand of the Father. One God, Father, Holy Spirit, and Son. He was God, and the devil was aware of that. The devil isn't dumb. He knew that he wasn't just going to give in without a fight, but he's still going to try. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter if you've been saved one day, one year, or a hundred years. He's going to try. He's going to try. Are you ready? Get ready. Jesus overcame this temptation by rightly wielding the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Ephesians 6, 17 calls the word of God the sword of the spirit. And you cannot effectively go to the battle with your enemy if you are not trained in your weaponry. And I want to tell you that every single verse in the word of God is like an armor-piercing incendiary around that will never miss its target. When the word of God, when light is shot into darkness, darkness has no choice but to erupt and flee. There's power in the word of God. Early in life, I was... Um, I was taught that during times of temptation, times of difficulty, times of strife, um, to quote scripture and to quote it and to quote it and to quote it. And one of those verses that I memorized um, was James 4, 7. So submit to God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. So I would find myself in the midst of temptation and I would go submit to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. And I would just over and over and over and over and over over. But yet that voice was still in the back of my head. That temptation was still lingering. That, um, that sin was still appealing to me. And to no real like fault of anyone who, who taught me in my younger years, they, they were saying all the right things. They were quoting scripture. Their instructions were good and sound, but I was missing the point. To resist the devil is active. It is not passive. You cannot just sit there and say, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. You have to physically recognize and walk away or step over or go around something to actively overcome. Overcoming is not passive it requires action. Yes, you must quote scripture. Yes, you must resist. 
But, it, but in those times, what is going to get you out of it, through it, beyond it, is you making the choice that you're not going to stay stuck right there. Because you are pursuing a relationship with Jesus and you are wanting to move beyond that. Now, I recognize that for a lot of us, there are temptations, things that we struggle with in our lives that, that can tend to like plague us for a lifetime. There are things that we are just naturally, based on our personality or whatever, just weak towards being tempted in that area. And so to overcome in that area of your life is to completely remove yourself from that place to where it's not even able to be a thought. You know, we pray for God to deliver us, but sometimes I wonder if God instead doesn't desire to develop us. Sometimes I wonder if we cry out to him when really to, to take us out when really he wants to take us through. There are times to remove yourself. There are times to press in and to overcome and to move past. Being an overcomer is not an option for Christ followers. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That tells you there are only two options, overcome evil or be overcome by evil. And for the Christ follower, there should not be an option there for us. Evil has no place in our life. We must stand up against it and stand up for righteousness in every aspect, in every scenario, in every relationship. We must, must stand up and stand for what the Bible teaches us is good and true. And the world is going to try and redefine what is right and good and true. But let me tell you, there is a reason that this one book has lasted through the ages and will last beyond you and I because it is capital T truth. We must learn to live by it. So how do we become an overcomer? Revelation 2.7 says this, The one who has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will permit him to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. Depending on which translation you read here, you could read to the one who conquers or to the one who overcomes or to the one who is victorious. We are called overcomers. We are called victorious. We are called conquerors over this world in the spirit realm. We are called to be light and darkness, and darkness must flee. We are called to overcome. But notice how it doesn't say to those who came to the altar or to those who said the sinner's prayer or to those who had hands laid on them or partook of communion. It doesn't say that. It says to those that have ears, let them hear. This is our roadmap to being an overcomer. Hear what the Spirit says to the church. 
Now, Revelation was written in Greek, all right? I'm going to go a little bit nerdy here with you for a minute, but this is what, like, I dig into. Let me tell you, the Lord spoke this to me Friday morning, and, I was, and, it, and it stuck. And then last night, about 1130 at night, I was ready to head to bed, and the Lord said, wait, I have more. And I ended up, like, adding a whole half page to my sermon. So I'm going to try to not keep you too late this morning, uh, but I've got a lot to say. And this is really important. The Revelation was written in Greek, right? And so the word, let him hear, directly in Greek translates as let them hear. But the Lord spoke something to me on Friday morning on my way to work. As I was praying over this morning, as I was praying over this word that I felt like the Lord was giving me, and I'm going to be honest with you, the, the tangible presence of God filled my vehicle. And I heard a still small voice say one word, Shema. Shema. Shema is a Hebrew word. Shema, directly translated, most of the time is to listen. But Shema is much more than simply letting sound waves enter your ear. Shema is an urgent call to hear Yahweh with our ears and to also respond to him with our whole lives. I want to focus on two things right here. One, Shema basically means listen plus respond. Or in other words, obey. You want to become an overcomer in your life. Obey what the word tells us to do and how it tells us to live. And you will overcome the temptations of the enemy. You will overcome your hard times of life. You will overcome the times that you feel like you've been beaten up, beaten down, trampled on, run over. You will overcome if the word of God is deeply rooted in your heart and in your soul and in your mind, and you can stand on that in those times when the waves are whipping and the, and the wind is crashing, you will overcome on the word of God. And I want to focus on that word Yahweh for just a brief moment. Yahweh was really... The first time we heard God talk about himself, say his name to man, was with Moses in the burning bush. And Moses asked him, who should I, who should I say sent me when he went to, the, to Egypt, to Pharaoh, to demand that the Israelites be set free? And I can go through all the nerdiness of this, and, and, but I, I'll be here for another hour before I get to any more sermon. I want to challenge you to look this up when you leave today or this week. It's really fascinating, and I'm, I'm telling you, it will bring a deeper understanding, a deeper respect, a deeper reverence for the God you serve if you understand the meaning of his name, Yahweh, the one who is Yahweh. We see that translated a lot in our Bible as Jehovah and in this particular passage, we see it translated as I am. 
And that's right. But when, it, when, when you take it from the Hebrew, it actually means he is. He was and is and is to come. Yahweh. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we're talking about. That's the God that is going to empower you in your life to stand against evil and to stand up for good and righteousness. Yahweh. If Moses can walk into Egypt and demand to a Pharaoh, a lowly shepherd can demand to a Pharaoh based on nothing but the authority of a burning bush speaking to him. Then we, having the entire Bible to study, can have a firm foundation to stand on in our everyday lives, to live our lives rightly and righteously and godly. We have no excuse anymore. You are called to overcome through the power of Yahweh speaking in your life, moving in your life, the word of Yahweh, the Bible. When we no longer pray, when we no longer read our word and communicate with God, we begin to set ourselves up for failure. What do I mean by that? Let's go to Revelation 21, verses 6 through 8. He said to me, and this is John speaking, God, Spirit, Holy Spirit speaking to John. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious, or you could read, overcome, will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. In other words, if you are not, if, if all you're doing is showing up on Sunday, praying before your meals, praying with your kids, going to bed at night, if that's all your walk looks like, I don't think you're overcoming very much. I don't think you're progressing very much in your walk with the Lord and in your pursuit of him. If, if, if our flesh and our sins are not shedding off of us with every day that we push into him, with every, with every verse that we read, if we are not becoming more like Christ every day that we live, it's just lip service. There's no action there. And the Bible very clearly says here, now I'm not God, I cannot eternally damn anybody to hell. But the Bible very clearly says, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral. He lists all these sins. If we are not overcoming these sins, is Jesus really Lord of our life? We don't like to talk about hell and who goes there, but sometimes we need a reminder that it is a real place. And that we are called to be separate from the world. 
that Christ followers, Christians, look different, act different, talk different. In pursuit of Jesus, this, the fleshly desires will fall off over time. The Bible teaches us that we cannot be in the pres physical presence of God because our, our physical bodies, which are naturally sinful, would just burn up in his presence. But when Jesus died and the veil was torn, we were given authority to enter into the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, your, your flesh ain't going to burn up in 2021. But I'm going to tell you what better start happening is your fleshly desires better start burning up. If you are really hearing from the Lord, if you are really listening, these things should just fade. It seems pretty clear to me that those who have courage to overcome, and tem overcome temptation and evil in the pursuit for Jesus are destined for heaven alone. Pastor Alan Jackson, someone that uh, I very much look up to, he's uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, I think. I think that's right. Uh, but he's a, a pastor that I watch his sermons like every single week. And he said something in, when he preached last week that just really, wow, it caught me off guard. A little bit about me. All right. Grew up in a Christian home, grew up in a Christian school, went to a Christian college, have been involved in church and ministry since I was 15 years old. But I had never heard this said, and I, I think it's I think it's profound. He said this courage is an essential part of our expression of faith. I think it is possible to make it to heaven with weak systematic theology, but I don't think you can make it without courage to overcome. If what you are learning when you study the word, if what you are experiencing when you meet with God isn't driving you to become more like Jesus, It's just lip service, and it does you no good. So what does an overcomer look like? An overcomer looks like someone who shamas, who listens and obeys what the Spirit says, what the Word says when we live our lives in, in step with the Holy Spirit, deeply rooted in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what the Bible teaches us, we will overcome. It is someone who intently listens to the voice of God and applies it to their lives. An overcomer is someone who exercises their gift or gifts of the Spirit in an effort to wage war against the flesh and encourage the body of Christ. An overcomer is someone who stands up for righteousness and stands against evil. Will you overcome? What about when the enemy 
sets his crosshairs on you and your family? What about when this world tries to cancel you for speaking truth? Will you overcome or will you cower? The Bible says that to those that do not acknowledge God before man, Jesus will not acknowledge us in front of the Father. Are you standing firm in your faith? Are you letting it sink in and deep and change the way you think, talk, act, and live your everyday life? Are you overcoming? See, I think it's rare for the devil to try and steal us from God as Christians. I think it's rare. I think it's a much more effective strategy of his to distract us and tempt us into becoming weak, flippant, unfounded cowards of Christians. And when he gets us to that place where we're no longer standing rooted in truth and we're no longer standing up for righteousness and we're giving in to the temptations of the flesh, the purpose we're serving is we're helping unbelievers stay unbelievers. And we are making those around us weaker in their faith because we're setting an example that this is just partly meant to be followed, but I'm telling you something. Jesus did not die a wholehearted death for your life so that you could live a half-hearted life for him. Overcome by the word of God. It is your weapon. It is your defense. Wield it strongly. Learn how to use it. We must be awake and alert and guard ourselves against temptation. Being awake is being ready. Being woke is being fleshy. It is time for us to stop being weak Christians and stand up for truth. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is in the garden uh, here, about to be turned over to the soldiers to be crucified. And he says this to his disciples who had just fallen asleep. He says, again, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Which one is ruling your life, your spirit or your flesh? Are you strong or are you weak? 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11. Be sober and alert. Your enemy, the devil, like a roaring lion, is on the prowl looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Resist him. Resist him, strong in your faith. How do you become strong? You work out. How do you become strong in your faith? You work out. Because you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are enduring the same kinds of suffering. Let me tell you, I know you've heard this before, but I asked it. The Holy Spirit allows you to hear this in a new, fresh way this morning. You are not alone in your struggles. You are not alone in your temptations. You are not alone in your weaknesses. We all have them. I am no different from you because I am standing on this stage delivering this word. I have struggles. My wife will tell you. I'm not perfect. But when the Lord speaks, 
Shema. Listen and obey. And after, verse 10, and after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him belongs the power forever. Amen. Thank you, God, that you have the power. Maybe you don't have the hope of Jesus in your life today. Or maybe you do follow Jesus, but there's just a circumstance, a situation, a temptation in your life that you just don't feel like you can overcome it, like you're beating your head against the wall and you just, you want to quit and you want to surrender. Let me tell you that both of those people have, need the same answer and that's Jesus. I'm here to tell you that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus was a real man. Jesus was born or conceived from a, in a virgin's belly. Born from a virgin. Lived a holy, pure, sinless, blameless life. He died a sinner's death taking on all sins of all mankind who would, who would put their hope in him while yet still being sinless and blameless himself. He was buried for three days and he rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could be reunited in relationship with creator God. See, the Old Testament teaches us that we cannot exist in the presence of God because we are sinful. We talked about this earlier. But when Jesus died, he gives us an opportunity to not live under that sin anymore, but instead to be washed by the blood of the Lamb, to be made clean and whole and pure in his sight. It says that our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. I don't know about you, but I'm awful glad that I have some sins cast as far as the east is from the west. The Bible teaches us that when we make Jesus Lord of our lives, he becomes active and present in our hearts, in our lives, and we become filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what that means. It means that Jesus is active and present in your life and his power is active and present in your life and the Holy Spirit is operating on your behalf and he is speaking and he is moving and he wants you to shema. Listen and obey. So what does this mean for your circumstance? This means that if Jesus is active and present, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that same power that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says literally lives in you. Your body becomes its home, its temple. Live in that power. Live in that authority. Live in that realization of who God is. How big, how strong, how mighty, how majestic, how powerful Yahweh God is. 
You have been given the power to overcome. Choose today to overcome. It is a choice. It is an action. Overcoming is a verb. It is not passive. It is active. Jesus did not die a wholehearted death for us to live a half-hearted life, claiming his name, but then spitting back in the face of it. The Bible says that in the end of the day, be hot or cold. If you are lukewarm, you're going out of my mouth just like the cold. So you either be hot or forget it at all and just enjoy your flesh. I don't, pick one. Only one has hope though. Only one has actual power. Only one of them actually has significance. Be hot and on fire. Crave, long for the word of God, the truth of God in your life and resist the devil and he will flee from you.